You're listening to The People's Pitch, the official podcast of Minneapolis City Soccer Club, brought to you by footballstadiumprints.com. Let's start the show. And as I talked about just a couple minutes ago, as Joe Watt stands over this one, he appears to be the one taking the penalty here. Uh, this is a huge confidence booster if you're a Duluth. Worst case Elder scenario for here City for right more. here. And it's stopped! Yes! And it's stopped! Totally Matt redeems Elder. himself. <laughs> Matt Elder redeeming himself. Oliver with the right foot. The shot is oh, Oliver! Justin Oliver will break the scoreless tie. Then it is 1-0 Minneapolis City. It's Hutton now on the offense with the left foot. Oh, oh, the and it is now 2-0 Minneapolis oh, yes. City. Good finish. Nick Hutton taking his quick victory lap. Hey there, soccer fam. Sorry for the long break, but we are back at you this week for another action-packed People's Pitch podcast episode, the official podcast of your Minneapolis City Soccer Club. I'm your host, John, and with me, as always, is my main dude, the cool guy, the Nate Morales. Nate, just when you think there is not much to talk about, we go and provide another reason to be relevant in the U.S. soccer sphere. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, if you can't tell, John and I are hot off of the back of a club event at Utapil's <laughs> Brewing, uh, a Q&A session with the supporters uh, around our move, or I shouldn't say our move, our addition of a new league into the Minneapolis City ecosystem. Uh, this is going to be a good one, John, as we talk about that, as well as our UPSL season. we got all sorts of hot takes in our brains and all sorts of cold beer in our bellies. So let's get to ah, it. Just, just full of Udapil's beer right now. It's, it's not <laughs> it's not that cold anymore. Uh, this week, yeah. we've got some news to cover. Obviously, the announcement that the club put out today to the world. We want to talk a little bit about that as well as, well, we did it for the NPSL. Now we're going to do it for the UPSL, uh, the official, unofficial People's Pitch Award time. We want to make sure the other team, both teams, get their due uh, since there were so many great moments to celebrate uh, on the UPSL field. So let's get rolling. As all of you know by now, in what probably was one of the worst kept secrets in soccer behind uh, that the MLS is probably going to Vegas, MPLS <laughs> City announced uh, the, as it was announced in, as the new team. <laughs> Heartland Division, the Heartland Division of the, of the USL2, joining the likes of Des Moines Menace, Green Bay, Caw Valley, Thunder Bay, St. Louis. The list goes on and on, uh, and the division is ever-evolving. But USL2 is a big deal for lower league soccer, and we are happy to join. Uh, obviously, exciting news item. Two things, John, that I want to cover off on, because I think there are a number of podcasts that you've been on, you've made appearances on uh, Protagonist. I know we've got guys on 10,000 Pitches. There's all sorts of other podcasts around the country that you are making appearances on, as well as Dan and you are making statements to the press around. So just here, for our sake, I want to talk about two things. First, what does this mean for the NPSL club as we have known it for the last five years? Because I think that's the biggest question and that is the subject matter of our podcast for so long. So I want to make sure that we are clear on moving forward what we are going to talk about here on People's Pitch. Well, I mean, we're we're not going anywhere from an MPSL perspective. I just want to just right out of the gates, just throw that out there. But from a, a club perspective, when you look at it, um, a, a couple different things to, to really touch on here. Number, number one being that historically speaking, um, the PDL or what is now USL2 has kind of been the gold standard for amateur soccer. And it's, it's, no, it's no surprise when I, when I say that. So moving into that conversation from a club perspective is big because of the fact of not only what it, what it offers – um, our players, but from what, what it offers the club, what it offers our, our players is, is truly what the USL two is built on. I mean, it's, it's a hashtag in their, in their, uh, on their masthead pathway to pro. 
So we, yeah. we've had we've had professionals come out of Minneapolis City. You know, you talk about Brandon By, talk about Luke Hawkinson. Um, you know, there's many other players that have played professional soccer after playing with Minneapolis City. But this now offers the club the opportunity and the players the opportunity to get that exposure to a truly focused professional structure of soccer. Um, yeah, yes, it's not direct to MLS, which is, you know, number one on the pyramid. Um, but what it does offer is our, our players the chance to be in the conversation with a little bit more ease potentially than what it could have been in, in the past. So yeah. I, I think the number one thing is, is from a player perspective. Number two, from an organizational perspective, um, when you look at, at, at leagues across America, you, you talk about like the professionalism and the standards. Um, yes, NPSL has standards that you have to live by. Yes, the UPSL has those standards as well. But when it comes down to like brass tacks and the letter of the law, um, the the U, USL2 just offers that bump, man. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. just that, that extra sprinkling of, of the, of the organizational secret sauce that, just make it that that one step better in certain people's eyes and and you know to some to some folks it it might not feel like it like that's a thing but it it really is a thing and you know organizationally we've been tossing around multiple ideas of you know what's our next step and where do we feel we fit in and and we feel that usl2 from a programming perspective is just something we have to add to what we already offer yeah to your first point i think you know, while the quality of Minneapolis City soccer is hard to deny, I still think the reputation of the USL2, and it's been clear over the years, that the reputation of the USL2 is really what draws college coaches to push their players to play at that level, right? It, it, you found uh, as as director that it's really hard sometimes to convince coaches to send their to send their mm-hmm. young men to Minneapolis City just because they're they know that the USL two provides that level of organization provides a standard level like a really consistent level of competition right they just know that if I put my kid in a USL two program he's gonna get out what I need to need him to get out of it and we can move on. Right. Whereas like with Minneapolis City, with the NPSL, you have to do a little bit of convincing. Um, sometimes coaches have to see it for themselves and and really understand what it how how the NPSL fits into their programs, which it might not always do. So it's really nice to have USL2 kind of now in our holster as we continue to develop youth soccer, soccer for young men here in uh, in in Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, if you if you just look at like the 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 roster of players that have gone on and and at some point in their soccer journey played in the USL two or the PDL that could have played for us, you, you Max Seward, uh, you know, he took a gap year and played one year in the UP or in the in the USL two. Ian Smith did the same thing. Um, you Samo Rory probably would have. Or Rory did right. Rory, Rory did, and look at what he's doing in in college this year at New Hampshire. You look at, you know, like you said, Sam Well did it. You look at Bernard Bernard Ashby Rule, who 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 did it for for two years. All of these players, if we had the opportunity to talk to their college programs and say, like, you know, we're in the USL two, they would have gone nowhere. They would have stayed at home. They yep. would have come back, come back where they feel comfortable, and they would have, they would have gotten exactly what they needed to get out of out of our program which would have happened in the npsl but like you mentioned for some for some college coaches that just having that usl2 attached to you is 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 truly scripture right it's it's reputationally it's huge yeah it's super huge uh second thing i want to talk about around this announcement usl2 npsl Potentially UPSL. That's three leagues. How does all this soccer get played (laughs) with Minneapolis City? Like tonight at the event, the club mentioned potentially a shared USL2 NPSL roster pool. How do you, John, see that coming to together? And what does that mean for the players in in the Minnesota area? 
Well, I look at it as, as not like leagues, but as competitions. So you look at it, if you think about it from like a premiership or a premier league perspective or, uh, you know, Manchester United has the premiership. It has the Carabao cup. It has the champions league. It has the FA cup. It, all of these different competitions, they draw from the same pool of talent. Mm-hmm. We're looking at the exact same model. However, we just happen to have to slice it a couple different ways. We look at the USL2 being the newest competition. We look at the NPSL as be, and the UPSL as being a competition that we've, we've already been involved in. We look at the US Open Cup as a competition that we also strive for. So you kind of throw all that into the mix. And, you, and how do you slice that up? You, you just essentially adjust the player structure from a roster perspective and, and you, you have certain dedicated each individual competition, but they're in one collective home. The only difference being our futures program, which always was and will be an additive program for that 16 to 19 age range where those players are, are really here to get something a little bit different and add on to yeah. what they already have. So you you think about it from a UPSL perspective. The UPSL did nothing but great things for us this year in our first year there. Potentially, maybe you see uh, us supplementing the opportunity for our futures players in a second season, we'll call it, and them playing a, a full summer season in in a more structured environment like the UPSL versus having to play the friendly 11 aside matches. So we haven't quite fully baked it all out yet, but that's kind of what, what I think as a whole we're thinking. Yeah. I think that's really important to mention is that, uh, you know, we really don't have, if, if we do keep a player pool of whatever MC2 and NPSL guys, like that's not, that's not necessarily to say that we've just got another team that we're ready to elevate. Like the futures program is not really built for that, right? The futures program is meant to supplement youth development at, uh, at the older levels, 16 to 16 to 19. So it's not a matter of like, Oh, you just got guys that are ready to slot into a third league. Like we have to really evaluate whether or not that's going to be something that's going to benefit the guys, or it's going to be something that might uh, just, Put extra wear and tear on them. We'll see. To be determined on that on that front. It sounds like. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. A lot of things to unpack still for the old Minneapolis City Soccer Club. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like as as usual. Like big news, and then now we're going to figure out how it's going to work, and it'll all come together. We've got a we've got an entire off season to figure it out. Yep. Absolutely. So this last season, it's done. Everyone's uh, everyone's shifted gears to their finally finally yep. done. Oof. Everyone has shifted gears to their high school career. Now we're on to college. Now we're on to uh, potentially life after Minneapolis City. But day jobs. John, day jobs, sad. Oh, man, the drudgery. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, John, what, what you and I get to do tonight is recap how things went in 2020 uh, 20 with – 2020? 2020? With our little – with our 2021, with our very unofficial, official, unofficial – uh, People's Pitch Podcast Season Recap and Awards for the UPSL team. Uh, MC2 burst onto the scene with an additional layer of excellent Minnesota-based talent, and I think it's worth recognizing in an entire podcast here. So let's get to it, John. As you know, we like to cover off on things like big wins, Let's cover off on big moments, teachable moments, and then we get into our awards. So let's start with our big wins. And, and John, you and I have broken it down to a couple. First of all, match day or on the field wins and then off the field wins. So let's get started with match day wins. What is your, what is, what are a couple of your big wins on the season for this MC2 UPSL squad? So three of them. Uh, number three, the FC Minneapolis two to one victory on the road. And this this one particularly was one where we it was kind of like early mid-season and it was the first, you know, the first pass through. I mean, really the whole season was a first pass through because we didn't play teams the, the, for a second time until we hit the playoffs. But right. it was kind of kind of that 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 crux of like we've we've kind of seen what the league has to offer and Minneapolis City 
or uh, sorry, FC Minneapolis came in and scored first in a, in and that was like the the gut punch after going down and tying in the first match in a, a very well fought match with Inter Minneapolis. Um, but that turning point was that adversity that happened in that match to go down one nothing right away and and be like okay. This season could go one of two directions. It could just like go into a frustrating thunderdome of like, are we just going to constantly be giving up, <laughs> giving up the, giving up the first goal all the time? And in that instance, we did. But then on the back of two straight goals after that, and then just kind of figuring out just the way to win, it kind of showed that Minneapolis City Two was not just Minneapolis City Two. They were a full fledged Minneapolis City team. Yeah, you know, the thing with the thing with that game was that of course you have to respect FC Minneapolis on a number of levels. First that they've been around for a while, but also we've kind of played them before and you just kind of know their talent level was equal to on some levels MC2. They were a little little older guys, a little more veteran players probably, but still like also way scrappier. Like these are not guys that probably the MC2 players were the type of guys that MC2 players are used to seeing. So you knew mm-hmm. that this would probably be a real physical challenge and uh, a little bit different than what, than what we had experienced up to then in the yeah, EPSL. It, yeah. It kicked off like the, the, what happens after you get punched in the face theory. Like mm-hmm. it was, it, it really did. But number two was the Granite city overtime win in the playoffs. Um, I, I believe you, you were there, correct? I was wrong. not. You were there. Okay, so I was there alone. <laughs> uh, no, I, I wasn't alone. I, I brought I brought my son Gus with me, so he was able to to see the number two match. But it was that that Granite City win to to further us into a playoff position um, from a, a national perspective, and it was really the the first time where I had seen a team all season go out of the gates and play better than, than Minneapolis city too. And um, hats off to the Granite city group. I thought that was a, that was a, a really well uh, organized, well-trained team, uh, but it went down all the way to the death into the second overtime. And then you get the, the Yasek Nikowski goal, you get a second Yasek Nikowski goal. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, something special is here at the right exact time before the national playoffs start. Yep. Yeah. This was a, this was a game where there was a lot of ambiguity. Like I really wasn't sure how these were the playoffs or what these playoffs yeah, meant yeah, or why uh, we were playing this team after already <laughs> having beat them and, and, and no finished clue, well no ahead clue. of them. In our <laughs> but uh, you know, lower league soccer things. And so it was really nice to be able to, continue to dominate our division conference, whatever it was called uh, in the UPSL and make sure that make sure that we were able to do advance. And I think that that leads into our first big win, which is of course, there's a dog on the field, John. Uh, once <laughs> my, you get best, into play- my best call ever. <laughs> best, once you- <laughs> best, hands down. Retire now, Bizworm. Best that's a- goal call ever. Absolutely. Bob Costas, Al Michaels, John Bizworm, best calls of all time. <laughs> There's a dog on the field. Uh, PK victory against the Iowa Raptors. And I think this is one of those things where we kind of got, we kind of understood, like if you were like you and I, me especially being in the booth every week for a home game, you understand the UPSL competition as potentially inconsistent, I guess is the best way to say it. Right. And it's one of those things that, uh, you know, you kind of expected the guys to be able to go out and beat sometimes what felt like elevated club level soccer. Right. These kids were the kids that we had were well trained. They play well with each other and they are all top talent in their schools or in their programs. So it's a matter of like, what happens when we go to the playoffs? What happens when we hit the national stage? And I think the Iowa Raptors game was our first test at home. And really, we hung on tight. We were able to defend well. We were able to attack well, but really, we were grind. This Iowa team was really grit. Was really gritty. 
We were able they to were make really it. Good. They were yeah, really good. They were really good. Really good. And it's finally one of it was one of those things where it's like, oh shit, this national playoff scenario might be a little, little more difficult than we expected. But uh, oh, we were able to hang 100%. on. Yeah, and 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 make it to, make it to to PKs, and really that's when the management took over. That's when the 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 kids took over. I should I say kids because they they're young guys. That's when these young men took over and really decided like they're going to take this game into their own hands. Especially Ben Schleeman, the high schooler. Yep, the high schooler stepping up, taking basically his first peak penalty kick scenario, his first peak kick scenario. He's never done Ever. it before. And, His and for entire some reason, 18 year life never <laughs> faced a penalty kick shootout. And then he comes off the bench and saves two penalties. Like that is wild. That is that is city history books right there. Wild, wild. So uh everyone, if you've not seen that, you gotta go back into the YouTubes. Check it out on Minneapolis City's YouTube page because you can watch that penalty kick situation. You can watch the whole game. Really, it was a really good game. Uh, but the last 10 minutes are Super clutch, and that's why they are number <laughs> one in our big wins of the season. Then we've got some off the field big wins, and uh, a lot of it is just like shit. This actually happened, <laughs> right? Right. I mean, like this was a. So we, we talked about it before on the show that like the the former U twenty three team members basically told the club. If if we're gonna be in this scenario again, we want we want to be in a league and we want to fight. And we want to be able to win trophies. And and where that all started was the development of a new staff. And I think the number three out of the top three here is we brought on a, an entirely new staff of coach of two coaches, Michael Prunty and Kevin Lebon. And we're like, mm-hmm. here's your thing. Go make it happen. This is what we want to happen this year, but go figure it out. And and giving them the autonomy to be able to to run with things, um, I think was the the key here because you you had a, a well traveled head coach in Michael Prunty and you had an up and coming younger um, assistant coach in Kevin Lebon and and giving them the autonomy to be like, hey, welcome to the club. Here's your thing. Figure it out. Of, it's kind of a difficult task. So I think that from an off the field perspective, like that's just. A, it's a big deal for for our little slice of soccer pie here. Is this be like, hey, new guys, this is your thing, go do it. And and I think that they performed admirably. And and with the success the team had off the field, um, or on the field, this that one off the field moment was was definitely huge. I think number two is is the the impact of the futures program. And you know we we haven't necessarily designed to dive into like a futures program recap like we have with the NPSL and the UPSL here right. but the impact that the that that the futures program had on MC2 was massive um when you look at the players that not only participated in the UPSL season um but you look at the, like as a whole but you look at the guys that that kind of came on at right moments you look at the Zach Susies you look the Jacob Popkins the the, the mean streets Mean guy, streets. Uh, Nathan Streets. Nathan Streets. Uh, Jacek Nikowski. Like those guys that came on from the Futures program were massive. And they fit in perfectly with what the coaching staff that we mentioned in, in number three here. They they filled in admirably at the right exact time when, when we needed them. I mean, Ben Schleeman, we just talked mm-hmm. about him. Futures player. So the the impact that the futures had uh, futures players had on the on MC two I think as a whole throughout the season was was really big. Yeah, the addition of the futures program. I mean, when you talk about hey, new guys, go figure it out. I mean, the futures program was the epitome of that, right? <laughs> where it was right. just like another another instance this last year besides the UPSL where we said the club said uh, this is a great proposal. We're behind it. Execute, go do please? it <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and uh jeremiah johnson and his and his staff did a really good job with that uh with the help of a lot of npsl players as mentor coaches so hats off to everyone involved with the futures well, because without without the futures and, what's up wait and myself i was a mentor coach for like four weeks so couple of weeks you really you changed the you really changed the landscape of that futures. League, I though. did. I I prepared those young men for the UPSL. Uh huh. 
<laughs> well, hats off to you too, John. Uh, finally, you. the off the field big wins. I mean, you talk about the MC the the guys last year or two years ago that were involved in MC two, like you said, resoundingly asked for the opportunity to win trophies and win trophies. They did two trophies, won, a final eight appearance. I mean, elite eight appearance in the first first year in the UPSL is pretty pretty good losing only to what eventual national champions or at least semi at least finalists no no the national champions they were the national champions so we lose to the eventual eventual national champions long island's con no, no, contour New York con New York contour, contour couches or whatever um very <laughs> very very impressive for the first year i think hard to hard to underestimate exactly what that means because or hard to overestimate exactly what it means because when you think about other times minneapolis city has joined leagues the pla the npsl has not gone great in the first year despite expectations i think this is one of those this is the only time so far where expectations have been still pretty high and we have met them yeah exceeded absolutely them. exceeded them I, yeah absolutely i mean i i i think that yeah i mean uh, we'll get into my final thoughts eventually about this team, but two trophies and a final eight appearance in what was our first year in a, in a, a, a national competition is pretty darn good. But yeah. let's talk about the big moments, Nate. They're huge. We talked about, we talked about some on-the-field matches, but let's talk about some really big moments. And I think no, well, we have five of these. So bear with us, folks. <laughs> um, uh, number five being the the first ever match for MC two in in the UPSL, the 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 two to two draw against Inter Minneapolis. I thought that that one in particular was like the all right, let's let's do this on paper. Automatic three points, in my opinion. You thought so. That, that's why you play the games, right? And mm -hmm. Inter Minneapolis came in to Edor Nelson Field and put up one hell of a fight. And I think that that was one of the huge moments because it, it truly smacked everyone in the face. They're like, hey, it, it, we have to play these games. And I, and we have the horses to win the race, but we got we to gotta play the games. You got to play them and you got to keep your head in them. Yep, got to keep your head in them. And we saw in that match going going down a goal equalizing going down a goal again then equalizing and then getting at a point out of that game which was really the only regular season blemish for the mm -hmm. club uh for minneapolis city too i think it was it was a, a really big moment it was a, a gut check time and it was an opportunity for not only the coaching staff but the team to understand like this is the landscape that we're in right now and we're we got to figure out ways and I, yeah. I think that was a, a big one. Yeah, interesting to point out that like that was a team at the time that was coached by Jacob Popkin's dad, right? Yep. And uh, and I think the guy that kept Inter in the game and almost put them up, uh, and and almost scored what was the winning goal at the time was a guy that had trialed with Minneapolis City. So it's not like you know this is a small soccer town generally that like there there are always some hurt feelings. There are some guys that are always out trying to prove something and that was in that was no exception right all of a sudden you've got a, a hungry team trying to trying to show minneapolis city what's up and that was when really we really needed to step up and and answer and answer we kind of did i guess to get the draw yep so number four i go to the Derek ullman bicycle kick goal only that, number four i know yeah we got we got three big ones here um to follow this one but that that goal not only did it, it did a few things, Nate. It it not only cemented Derek Ullman in the the folklore of Minneapolis City <laughs> by by scoring on a bicycle kick. He he scores the, the the game winner that puts us into the number one spot in the in the eventual playoffs. He broke his collarbone. He knocked himself out. It was a bicycle kick. I mean, what else do you want out of that equation? Um, but that goal itself was a clawback goal 
that that moved City into an opportunity to get a draw, uh, to get a buy, to be able to move itself forward into the playoffs. Unfortunately, yeah. it knocked Derek out, but it just showed that Derek was uh, was he, he's a club guy, willing to put his body on the line, but also has a little bit of a flair for the dramatic because that, that's a good way to score a goal, right? I loved it. Like if. <laughs> You got if you if you think you have the opportunity to do it, you got to just rip a bicycle kick, I guess. Yeah, right? in, those, in those situations, just just why make it happen. Not? Make it why happen. Why not? So Consequences be damned. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, having to go to your day job or with your arm in a sling for a few months, be damned, day job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, Derek. Derek's bicycle kick will. Uh, I will forever talk about that. Uh, number three. What I like to call Batman and Robin strike for two goals and two assists versus Rochester FC. And what and who I'm talking about here is the the partnership that we saw grow between Derek Ullman, who we just mentioned, and and Cole Schwartz. Um early on in the season and then into the the midway point of the season, it was really which one of these guys is gonna score a goal and which one of them is gonna set it up for the other. And that game on the road against Rochester FC was putting up a good fight for a good portion of the first half. Um, those the, That Batman-Robin partnership connecting, and, and it was almost like, you know, when you're running the Prunty the, the 3-5-2 and you have those two strikers, one has to always be doing the dirty work and the other one has to be feasting off the fruits of the other one's labor and it was always one or the other and in this match mm-hmm. it was Derek Ullman doing the dirty work setting up Cole Schwartz who was finishing on the day and it was a really good uh, opportunity for us to see like a true strike force partnership which you don't see in the modern game much anymore because the majority of teams run with one forward so yeah. it was kind of that that prunty three five two showing like what the offensive portion of that could be and seeing the cohesiveness between these two guys who are literally light years away from each other. Cole is finishing up his senior year in college. Uh, Derek is, is well, tra- a well-traveled men's men's league. 30 years amateur, old. Yeah. 30 years old amateur soccer player and seeing the two of them come together was a really big moment for this team. Yeah. That was just always fun to watch them um, because they almost they had kind of a hive mind for like on one week <laughs> one week one of them would be the advanced player and and the and you know it was like he would be they would somehow decide that Cole would be the guy scoring goals and the next week it'd be all about Derek just deciding I'm going to be the one that takes the shots this week and they're all going to be from distance and they're all going to be bangers and Cole is just kind of the decoy and they would they had that figured out it was it was so good it was so good Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, big moment. Number two of the five, I guess. We're going to talk Yasik. Yasik Nikowski, first half hat trick on uh, June 25th, a 5 1 victory against Turbo Sports. And the cool thing about this game, the crazy thing about this game, is that Minneapolis City was down to 10 men after four minutes. Uh, as some would say, unjustly, Logan Huber was, was given a red card for a, uh, a challenge in and around the box. Uh, after four minutes, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not super excited about the call, but Minneapolis City was also not super excited about the call because they <laughs> <laughs> they answered back, and it was almost like they were playing with twelve men for the rest of the game. <laughs> they we destroyed this Turbo Sports team, uh, and it was it was not it was never close. And I think it was on the back of Jacek Nikowski's first half hat trick. I and could not believe ever, the his first ever call up from the futures program. Yeah, I could not believe the energy this kid brought to the brought to that game, and just super dynamic, wonderful offensive talent in Yasek. And I hope he comes back year after year because City could always use a kid like that. Uh, next up, and and we talked about it a little bit with the dog on the field, but the big big top five moment for Minneapolis City 2 is, of course, the Ben Schleeman penalty kick shootout. When you talk about a guy who has that kind of talent, he had call, he had been called up to Minneapolis City just as kind of roster filler to the NPSL squad a couple times. He traveled with the team down to Aris, and, of course, against as, as happens against <laughs> Aris, you just kind of throw... Yeah. 
He had to play forward against him. Yeah, so you've got. So he you, made, he made his first appearance as not a goalkeeper. Yep. He they were like, ah, oh, fuck it, throw the goalkeeper, throw the kid up there at striker and see what he can do, just to kind of give someone a breather and make sure that we're staying staying healthy an, uh, an injury, as the game wins. Yeah. So uh, so Ben Ben Schleeman finally gets his finally gets the call as a keeper in a Minneapolis city game. And it's in as a sub right before penalties are about to begin. And he, he has never taken, never been in the game for a penalty shootout situation before, uh, but really just approached it with the utmost confidence and ends up saving two penalties. Minneapolis city two beats Iowa Raptors on the back of that penalty shootout. Amazing moment for the club. Amazing moment for young high schooler, Ben Schleeman. What about his oh shit moment when he first got on the field and almost handled the ball outside the box? <laughs> like his yeah, first you don't, touch. <laughs> you don't remember that stuff. You don't. <laughs> because he he went into that shootout and all of a sudden it was like this guy's not in high school anymore, you know? Yeah. And then and then he, he makes those saves and then you know he's he's doing his his hands in the sky flex and it's just like, what a perfect moment. And then all of a sudden he's engulfed by humans and pets and everyone (laughs) on the planet to celebrate that victory. Pets. That's for sure. Uh, Up next, John, we're going to talk teachable moments because not everything was, not everything is perfect as things, as things tend to be in lower league soccer. There's always things that we have to learn. And the first thing, of course, in MC2 as well as the NPSL, but MC2 especially, is like how does the club deal with the revolving door of players at this level? Uh, future call-ups, you're talking about NPSL, uh, recovery stints, you know, rehab stints, you're talking about there's some mainstays that were in and out with injury. Like MC2 week in, week out, rarely had the same roster, and that's tough to deal with. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We talked about it multiple times in the show. It was like, who are we going to get this week? Who's coming back in or who's new? You know, it, it, it's really difficult at this level because th- that's just the, the gravity of the situation. Like, you never really know. And, yes, the NPSL team was a little more solidified. And the UPSL team, we tried to make it more solidified. But just the landscape of things with seeing players, like, getting done with college late or – um, not able to fully participate because of injury or what it might be. It, it was consistently a revolving door for a good portion of that season. Yeah. Number two is from a teachable moment perspective, the, the movement between the teams. And I, I think that I, I put this on the list because I know that it, it's tough because you look at the success that the NPSL team was having throughout the season. And it really is truly our intention to have players, you know, that are deserving, get the opportunity to play, you know, where they fit in. But when you have guys performing and you're on like a 10 game winning streak, are you really going to want to adjust that? or make those tactical changes from a roster perspective, from a coaching staff perspective to just throw a guy in who's deserving. And it's kind of tough. So from a teacher alone perspective, it's like, how do we as an organization make that happen more? So now that with the announcement that we made in the league that we're going to be moving into, like how do we continue to not lose sight of the fact that some of these guys are deserving of a chance, whether it be a, a potential slim chance um, but when are they deserving of it, and how do we how do we pick, how do we like achieve that for them? Yeah, there's a there's a fine line to walk between um, when you're looking at players that are either exceeding their expectations at a level like the UPSL level. Obviously, you don't want to move them up and kind of get them out of their groove. But at the other hand, on the other hand, like. If you've got some guys that are kind of struggling at that level, like, do you really want to knock them down or do you really want to take them off the roster mm-hmm. to kind of destroy some confidence, knowing that you might need to rely on them later in the season? So that the, you know, I do not envy Coach Prunty and, uh, and, 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 uh, Kevin, Coach Lebon, when it comes to how do you balance that out and how do you make sure that you've got the right, guys there week in and week out. It's really, really hard. Yeah, it's it's super hard. And I think they did a decent job, but 
I think we can always do better if our mission is to elevate players, um, you know, and and make that pathway to pro now. Uh, yeah. We really need to. We really need to think about how we're going to do that, and and maybe yeah. do a little bit better. Not, not that we did a bad job, but maybe do a little bit of a better job. Um, and then finally, the number one teachable moment is there's some serious fucking teams outside of the region. Surprise! In, <laughs> surprise! Uh, New York Contour specifically, Iowa before them. That, that Iowa Raptors team, I think, was actually more talented than the New York Contour that ended up winning the UPSL. So hats off to MC2 for, for disposing of them, you know, be it through penalty kick, the unconventional way, not in the, in the 90 minutes. But um, we, we always knew it was going to happen, Nate, that we would get out of our conference and all of a sudden there'd be some Goliath sitting there waiting for us. And I think that we, we talked about it. We were what we thought prepared for it, but that New York contour team in the, in the final eight was the real deal. And, and it's something that we have to think about if we're going to continue to enter teams into this competition that we're, we, we need to do a better job of understanding what's next and how do we prepare for it? Yeah. When you think about, (laughs) <laughs> when you think about like moving moving on in the in the playoffs, you, you we had to assume that not every team was going to show up down a man or show up without a goalkeeper or whatever, right? Like just the things that happened to us over the course of the UPSL local UPSL season are just not going to be consistent across the country, and you got to assume that the other teams we run into probably were the where the Minneapolis cities of their area were like they're organized and they can even they can show up for a game and all this stuff right they've got the they've got all the talent so it was really interesting and pretty cool to see teams like Iowa and New York show up with actual good players and challenge us yeah absolutely on up next John let's let's get to the the individual awards and we'll start with the coaching staff member of the year coaching staff for uh for this team was small but I think <laughs> you got us two guys it's one or two guys but i mean i think if you if you looked at the greater picture of the minneapolis city organization i think this guy should win something he, he definitely deserves recognition if not only for his work with mc2 but just like how he was able to make sure that the mc2 players fit so well in the organization as a whole. And, and we're talking about coach Michael Prunty as our coaching staff member of the year. And like I said, it's, it's a 50, 50 coin toss between who could it possibly be um, yeah. newsflash. Kevin Lebon gets honorable mention, um, but, uh, <laughs> but from a, from a, a head coaching perspective, we talked about all of the challenges. We talked about how it's like, Hey, welcome to the organization. Here's your team. Go do something with it. Um, I think the, the thing that we lose sight of that was the really hard part was from a coaching staff perspective, they the coaching staff for each of our teams has the opportunity to really select their team. For Coach Prunty coming in when he did and having some returning U23 members and some members we were, we were going to be bringing in and drop down, there wasn't really an opportunity for him to build his own team. But what he did was build a style of play that was his own, and he trained that in with his players. We talked about the Prunty 352, um, you know, it, it morphed into the Prunty three four three at times, um, yeah. but but what he was able to do with what he was given was very admirable. And then you look at how far that team went, and being one of the best teams out of the five thousand that the UPSL has and it's nationally um, was really admirable. So he definitely gets the top nod there. And then honestly. Coach Lebon, Kevin Lebon, is a close second because of what not only he did to support Coach Prunty, but when Coach Prunty was unable to be there. Um, huge, huge match in that Iowa Raptors game. The first ever playoff, true playoff game, um, you know, outside of whatever you called the uh, the league playoff that happened. Um, but the, the first national playoff <laughs> game that this team is in, he's not there. Kevin steps in. Kevin makes the call to substitute a goalkeeper. He makes the call to bring on a couple high school kids that end up scoring goals to keep the team in it. You know, it was yep. a truly gutsy call, but also just the work that Kevin did definitely uh, it warrants some mention. Yeah. Props to both those guys. 
on to we <laughs> citizen of the year for this is uh basically going to remain the same because there's a reason we gave these guys the award when it came to the NPSL side. And it's because of their unwavering support of the club. And that never flagged. Uh, they, were, <laughs> they were there for the UPSL. They were there for the NPSL. Uh, these guys were all-stars when it came to supporters and they are the Pauls. Congratulations. Pauls. The Pauls. Um, I will, I will pinpoint the one match. I mean, I, I, Anytime I'm involved in uh, a bench scenario, which is few and far between these days because we have such a, a, a long, robust coaching staff, but every time I'm on the bench and I turn around and look in the stands, who do I see, whether r- r- rain, wind, or snow, uh, regionally, nationally, wherever we're playing, the Pauls are there. And mm-hmm. they're they're supporting the club. And the, the Rochester FC away game was was specifically one that stuck in my mind because out of like the six people who showed up for Minneapolis city, the first two guys there were the Pauls and it just shows just how much they're invested in the club, how it, it a lot of folks come out to watch the MPSL team play and don't even care about the EPSL, but these yeah, guys, which is too these bad, guys, which is too bad, but these guys care about the club and, and they want to support anyone involved in it. And they, they do so by always being at the games. Yeah, props to the Pauls. Next up, John, Young Player of the Year. I mean, it's got to be the unanimous decision here is with this <laughs> young young man who has done so – who did, scored so much, he did so much, he really advanced the team as far as it could go almost single-handedly. Yeah, Yasek Nikowski, he was, um, he was a late ad. Uh, he started out uh, – he was a late ad even for the Futures program coming in um, transferring schools and moving to Minnesota and, and just kind of not knowing where to go, what to do from a, a soccer perspective, joined the futures program. And then ultimately through his play there was able to elevate himself on the back of his play into the UPSL fixture, scoring a hat trick in his first game and, and being an ever present danger from an offensive perspective. Um, definitely goes, this one goes the Yasek. Yeah, and on to uh, St. Thomas for this guy, right? Yeah, on to St. Thomas. And then ultimately our honorable mention for this category, your guy, well, your offensive guy, we'll call it, because we know your guy's the mean streets, Nathan Streets. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Zach Susi, let the Susie Lucy. Yes. From, from the jump, uh, Minnesota's high school player of the year, Mr. Soccer, Zach Susi, um, is a close second because – he was unable to feature for the team the whole entire season due to some some obligations outside in club soccer, playing in the All-American game, um, traveling, trying to find a school to play for, which is shocking. Um, but every time he stepped on the field, he made an impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really good kid. Really awesome to see him succeed at this level. Would have been cool to see him on the field more, but every time he was on the field, it was 110%. And He's got a fun name to say. <laughs> Absolutely. Up next, John, most improved. And this is one of those things that's like, like you said, the, the standard here is from the start of the season to the end. And, and you, a guy that has seen all these players come through trial and training and game time all the way to the playoffs, I think you've got a lot of great perspective on, on, on this kid. Uh, winner for most improved player. Luke Lindsay. Why, John? Why Luke? Well, Luke has been a member uh, of the club for going on three seasons now. Started out with the the former U23 squad. And when we were looking at the makeup of how we're going to put the roster together for MC2, outside defender was was something that we just didn't know what we could what we could do to fill the role. Um, centrally, we were pretty solid, but we didn't know what we could do. And then ultimately, when when Coach Bunty moved to the three five two, how could we find that wing back that would be able to get up the field, but also defend, um, you know, in a four back from a defensive perspective? And and Luke basically transformed his game from what I saw from the first two seasons with us, and what I saw in his his, his breadth of work in college. Um, I didn't see the player that I saw this summer in, in anything before. Um, I think Luke 
really latched onto the opportunity to be able to to showcase what he can do from an offensive perspective, getting forward in, in the position as a wingback. Um, but on a defensive end, always, always there, locked up his guy. We talk about uh, Matt Murakami, who was one of our, our standout players in the MPSL team. Luke Lindsay is almost out of the same mold. Like, mm-hmm. no disrespect, Luke, but you look at Luke and you're like, looks like a nice guy, doesn't look like he's going to fight. And then as soon as the whistle blows, turns into that absolute savage who fights. And I, I think that he, <laughs> he absolutely leveled up. Um, from an honorable mention perspective, Abdi Kadi. Abdi was our first ever development player that we ever brought in uh, four and a half, maybe call it five years ago. Yeah. And s- super raw talent um, comes from, you know, the pedigree of, of the MTAs of the world and, and, and ultimately went on to, to play um, some, some college soccer in the, at the division one level before moving back to, to the city. Um, but seeing not only the, the player, but the person, and the 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 guy that's always willing to just be there and to be grateful for the opportunity. I thought this year was the year where his play on the field actually leveled up to to match what we what we saw four or five years ago. Um, yet yes, he didn't get a ton of minutes for MC two, but when he did get in, was a a calming presence in the midfield and and offered a lot to be able to support what the system coach Prunty was trying to put in place, um, offer the support to make that work. And I think that he did a really good job whenever he was in, in the match. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, Abdi, we've seen him. Was he on the team at that scrimmage against FC Minneapolis all the way back at Nash at the Blaine national sports complex? Uh, he was not. That was the Open Cup team, but he was um, uh, involved in uh, quite a few closed door scrimmages against Minnesota United. <laughs> yes, and so, as a high school kid, it's just like, oh my god, I can't believe he's doing this. And he he did okay, so it's really good to see him grow into a, a nice young player. And really, when he was out there, he was calm on the ball and uh, offered a, a number of assists and some good chances. And really, like you said, made a difference when he was on the field. Up next, John, we're moving on to defensive. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Newcomer of – did I scroll down too far? We'll go to yeah, breakout. I, we'll go to breakout, breakout player of the year. Uh, yeah, the scroll, yeah, the scroll went a little too far. Breakout player of the year, this is a player that uh, busted onto the scene after a little bit of hype and uh, and really made a huge difference in MC2's results. Uh, and that's Mitch, Mitch Wolf, who's currently playing professionally in uh, the Nisa Fall League with Stumptown Athletic. Um, but Mitch is just such a great dude. And he he's a team first guy. And that's it's very difficult to get out of a goalkeeper because your uh, goalkeepers are all on an island by themselves. Mm-hmm. And you, you think about them as as a very individually focused player. Um, because, you know, 10 guys have to break down before they got to get into action. So it, it is very individualistic from a goalkeeper perspective. But Mitch was constantly there when this team needed him and, and was making the, this, the, the stand-on-your-head spectacular saves to keep the team into situations that ultimately turned into victories. And, and he, he did it in the, the fall 7v7 league. Um, when he first joined us and then continued to do that and in, and even added more onto it into the UPSL season. Yeah. Just an amazing veteran presence, really. Like when you talk about an older guy coming and joining the team, similar to Derek Coleman, Mitch really was able to provide that guidance to a lot of young, young players and be super calm and collected when it came to, you know, uh, the team, being on the defense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then honorable mention, Abai Mm -hmm. Habat, he was, he was voted captain. Abai came to us um, via the open, the open cup roster we first had in 2016, ended up moving on and playing professionally in Sweden and then came back into town really looking to continue playing soccer, but didn't quite know if he, if his heart was in it. And I think that from a breakout perspective, his veteran presence to be that former professional 
that showed a lot of these younger guys like how how to do it at this level i think was immense amazing next up newcomer of the year i like this guy a lot john uh i think he was all over the field he could play almost any position it's scotty heinen yeah scotty was just unbelievable and i'll sum it up we lost kevin hoof from an organization perspective we lost that swiss army knife that can kind of be plugged in in a couple different positions scotty ended up playing more of a defensive role for minneapolis city too i know he's more of an offensive player but he also would pop up on those offensive opportunities and i think he was the guy who came in in the fall was kind of like yeah he he belongs in the conversation but like how does he work on this team and i think that he really carved out his own opportunity by how uh diverse his game can be and and how he can really contribute to this team and then uh honorable mention Derek Ullman i mean when you talk about a, a newcomer you know Derek came to us through the open trial process um, wasn't initially selected in 2020. We didn't have the 2020 season. We were putting the roster together. The one thing that we were looking at was like, look at all these young strikers we have. We have Adam King. We have um, Cole Schwartz. We have Nils Gilbrunson. We What we don't have is that guy who has been there before. And there, I, I immediately went back to the old soccer Rolodex, Nate. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I contacted Derek and was like, this is what we're looking for looking for that veteran guy. I don't know what your what your position's going to be on this team. Um it'll be whatever you you earn yourself, but I need someone like you who's been there before because we don't know what this league is going to throw at us. I I I need a guy like you. And ever since that conversation, the um, the immediate answer was, "All right, let's do it." When and where? Where do, where do I have to show up? And yeah. and every every opportunity that Derek came onto the field, you know, you look at Derek and and uh, from a, a gameplay perspective, and you're like, you know, he's he's kind of not doing a ton maybe in some games, but then all of a sudden he pops up and does the right thing, uh, makes the right run, makes the right touch, the right pass, um, shoots when he needs to shoot. Um, you know, the ability for him to play balls in from a, a set-piece perspective was huge in the, in the season and just an all-around great club guy was there tonight. So it was good to see him out there. And I think he's, he's, he's totally bought into the opportunity that we gave him and he really carved out his own footprint, not only breaking his collarbone to uh, score a bicycle kick, but, but he's willing to be part of the club in general. I was going to say, dude just loves to play soccer. He loves to be around soccer. He's really, from what he said tonight, really excited to be in the Minneapolis city organization. Yep. Uh, absolutely. Audible, so really cool. Defensive MVP. Now, finally we're on to <laughs> <laughs> we're on the right we're on the right track here this is a kid that uh i've known his little brother for a few years so it's good to see him mentioned <laughs> and that's logan huber uh, logan is not only just a massive human being <laughs> he's uh he's a a massive key po- pivotal pivotal piece on the chessboard of a soccer a soccer team and that's at central defense uh I don't think that Minneapolis City 2 got scored on more than maybe three times when he was on the field. Yeah. Um, un- unfortunately, he had uh, that, that red card and, and some goals happened. Um, and then ultimately in the playoffs too. But, um, I mean, Logan is the antithesis of a defender. Uh, went from Minnesota, moved out to uh, Omaha, Nebraska, played for um, – uh, for University of Nebraska Omaha, a fantastic soccer program. Transferred back into um, to St. Thomas. Um, you know things weren't working out in in, in Nebraska, um, and it, he he is the type of guy that you never have to worry about when the when the ball gets over half line. He's the guy who's always got the foot in the way, always making yep. the right tackle. Um, and was just absolutely huge for this team from a defensive standpoint. And then honorable mention goes to Mitch Wolf. I don't think we need to talk a ton about Mitch Wolf, but if you're the if you're the goalkeeper who ultimately moved on to be picked up by a professional team, uh, you were pretty good defensively. <laughs> <laughs> Heard that uh, offensively, John. These these dudes scored goals. They scored goals. 
Um, yeah, offensive MVP goes to Cole Schwartz, and his Twitter feed of uh, goal Cole is a hundred percent correct. Um, is he the most flashy player? Absolutely not. Is he going to create for himself? Maybe. Um, is he going to score? Absolutely. I mean, the guy is just born to find the back of the net, and. 90% of this season, up until we talk about honorable mention here, um, he was lifting the goal scoring load. Um, and, and just a fantastic, <laughs> fantastic <Whoa>. guy, <laughs> a fantastic player. <laughs> he, he multiple multi game, multi goal games, um, and really the true offensive backbone of this team. And then honorable mention goes to Yasek Nikowski. We talked about him before. The guy did the exact same thing Cole did. Cole hit a little bit of a skid, and then Yasek came on at the absolute right time and was able to to, to pick up where uh, where Cole left off. So without belaboring it, John, let's get into Player of the Year for MC2. A uh, lot of lot at stake in this first year of this program, and uh, and this guy really helped lift the team to the heights that it was able to reach. Elite eight in the country, thanks to guys Cole, like Cole Schwartz. I mean, yes. we did we we literally just talked about him, but the the team itself would not have been as successful if Cole was not putting the ball in the back of the net. And I know you can say about any forward, like, hey, this guy's scoring a bunch of goals, like he's the true the true leader of the team. But Cole, being a quiet guy, he is just doing his work, like I said, quietly, scoring all these goals, very important goals, crucial goals. Um, and I really do feel like he, he absolutely warrants a player of the year. Yeah, nothing flashy from Cole, but really they were the goals that came early in games or in crucial parts of the games. Like when you look at some other guys that may have scored goals for MC2, it was like garbage time, three, four, uh, three, four goals up. But Cole was the one that really was able to dig the graves of our opponents with his finishing ability and his situational and positional awareness alongside his favorite strike partner, Derek Ullman. So really hats off to Cole. Really made MC2 debut season what it was. Thank you so much. As a reminder, the team stats for the Minneapolis City 2 squad in their first UPSL season, 10 wins, 1 draw, 1 loss. That's 10 wins in a row, by the way, also. Um, and that only loss coming at the last game, obviously, in the playoffs. Uh, 31 points on the season, 35 goals for only nine goals against. That's Single digits. Yeah, that's really good. They were undefeated in the first year of their UPSL regular season. National final eight in two trophies. Of course, I don't get what this means. But they had the regular season league champion, and they were also the league tournament champions. So they were, uh, yeah, I don't get it either. But hey, it's trophy the, time! It's, trophies for it's you, what, trophies for me. Yeah, it's what they had to do. We had trophies. We drank beer out of them. It was awesome. It might be really hard for some regular NPSL fans to begin to wrap their heads around watching two plus teams next year. But I'm going to tell you, John, this MC2 squad was a great warm up to next year being NPSL and USL2 action. There's just so much value in seeing the next generation of Minneapolis City soccer on the field this summer. It reminded me of the old days, really watching yeah. those PLA kids who you knew would amount to something one of these days. Uh, you were just hoping that they would develop within our system. And I'm really hoping all these guys stick in the system as long as possible and develop into the players that they clearly can be. Honestly, I'm, a, I'm really on the edge of my seat waiting to see which of them will step up to make the the roster next year. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, for me, I mean, I, I, I talked about my final thoughts earlier um, and then I, I wanted to wait for it, but I'm just so damn proud of this group of guys and what they were able to accomplish in year one. And, and when I say the group of guys, I mean the, the coaching staff down to the players. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, to, to, to say to the club, hey, we want to be in a league and win trophies and give us the opportunity. And then to have the output that they, that they did, which was basically winning all but one trophy they possibly could have won was just, <laughs> just, just fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I constantly talk to soccer folks, you know, I'm on podcasts, I'm talking to other team folks and they constantly go like, 
man, you had two teams in the final eight of both of the leagues that you entered. Like yeah. that's huge. That's huge. And, and it was more so expected of the MPSL team, but the UPSL team, like it's not the, the ugly stepchild. It, it really wasn't. No. It, I, 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 I rue the day that we had to call it MC two because it's not that it, it's, it's one and Minneapolis city soccer club. And this was just another extension of, of the club. And they did such a fantastic job and I'm super proud of those guys. Well, John, sadly, that is it, but uh, this is those were the awards <laughs> for the year. Props to all of our UPSL players. Props to the coaches. Props to the fans who came out and cheered them on in their first year. Hope to see some manner of product on the field next year to compete in the UPSL because it's such a great opportunity for for young players uh, to play the beautiful game, prove themselves. Yeah, exactly. That's all for and this week's show. Oh, props to you, Nate, for trying to get through this close I wrote for you. Oh no. <laughs> Oh, boy. All right, here we go. That's all for this week's show. Thank you, as always, to our show sponsor, footballstadiumprints.com. Hey, do you love it when you're called one of the cool guys? I know I do, because nothing fills my fuzzy bucket up than someone saying, hey, Nate, you are so cool, and I have footballstadiumprints.com to thank for that. Whether it's when I strut my stuff around town in my Edor Nelson t-shirt, people say, look at that cool guy. Or when my <laughs> wife looks loving at me, lovingly at me across the breakfast table, as I sip out of my Edor Nelson mug and says, man, I sure did marry a real cool guy. Or <laughs> when I parade my neighbors through my house, gloating over how cool I am. And they see Edor Nelson print hanging on the wall. They think to themselves, this guy Nate is like the coolest guy I know. I have footballstadiumprints.com to thank for being such a cool fucking guy at all potential cool touch points in my life. Do you want to be cool like me? You are in luck. You can go to footballstadiumprints.com and use the code CROWS10 to save yourself 10% off your whole super cool guy order. They ship from the United <laughs> States, so you don't have to worry about any uncool international shipping fees, which is super cool. <laughs> footballstadiumprints.com. We love them, and you should too if you want to be cool. Hey, if giving back to the community <laughs> means a lot to you, maybe it's time to give to the club that gives back. Minneapolis City is a 501c3 that provides a safe, reliable, and fun environment people to play the beautiful game look for us this summer playing with kids at parks and community centers all around the city consider a tax deductible donation to a true city focused organization Whew, that was fast all right it's never a bad time to become to become a super cool minneapolis city member <laughs> they look memberships just went on sale today for the next next season uh and we're doing something really cool with them uh for only 99 dollars for a full season pass all the way down to the 69 dollar half season pass and 50 dollar out of town membership you can support the club and get some cool stuff in return. You get an exclusive cool membership card, <laughs> a cool membership card that gives you 10% off at the club shop, which is going to be in a cool new location and other super cool deals. You also get a vote on important super cool club matters, including selecting the membership board who are all cool people and choosing scarf and <laughs> kit designs. Totally cool. Visit. <laughs> I added too many cools in there. Visit mplscdsc.com and make it happen because you are also cool. Hey, send us mail. Mail is cool. <laughs> <laughs> Hit us up on Twitter at Fuel's Pitch or through email at mcscpodcast at gmail.com. All questions, comments, and concerns are welcome. You can always hit the club up at MPLSCitySC. That's all for this week. Woo! I've been so cool. I'm Nate. That was okay, John. He's okay. He's not that cool. Join us in two weeks. We're going to be back in a couple weeks. We've got some super cool guests on this super cool podcast. There are going to be some players. I think we're going to have players. It feels like a player kind of weird. Uh, <laughs> you got to. Uh, that's cool. That's cool. Cool. That's cool.